This morning's scripture, Romans 12, 9 through 13. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The Word of God, let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be in and among us this morning, that you may, He may show us something anew in these passages, and that we may model our lives after your exhortations. And Father, I just pray that you would give me your words to speak, that they be not of my own, and may they be glorifying unto you. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. John, do you care to check the, the level on that? Because last week, God didn't want it record, recorded. All right, we're good. I think it was because of an update. It does that. So last week, we spent most of the morning looking at spiritual gifts. And we didn't really look at the specific gift in depth, although we did at the end kind of go through them rather rapidly, but, and we did look at each one of them. But we looked at how important it is to exercise them, because the gifts and the types of gifts are absolutely meaningless unless we use them, unless we implement them as part of God's church. And we saw that Every believer makes up this body of Christ, and there are a lot of different gifts that we've been given in this body of Christ. And there are, they're all to be used to make God's church work perfectly, harmoniously, and beautifully. But unfortunately, we know that that's not the case. I would say, in any church throughout the world. It's not always perfect, it's not always beautiful, and it's not always harmonious. We are one body made up of many individual parts, and each part has a function, as I said. And each part has a unique function. And we looked at it last week and how it relates to sort of a family type situation, but I I think the best analogy is a bodily type analogy. And we see that we are one body made up of many different parts, and we talked about that in depth. If we have the thumb, the thumb does thumb things, right? Fingers do finger things. Now, some may say the thumb's more important than the fingers, but a thumb without the fingers is going to have a hard time surviving. And vice versa. So if you take your fingers away, that thumb is going to have to do the work of four other fingers and its own. Thumbs weren't made to be fingers. So it doesn't do a very good job at the work of being a finger. Even though it has to do it because the fingers are gone. 
So what it does is it makes the thumb do the work of the fingers and then also do the work of the thumb. And what ends up happening is it doesn't do any of those jobs very A, efficiently, or B, very well. It's sort of the way it is in the church. We all have gifts, we all have jobs, we all have duties. But unless we all use them, then we have thumbs trying to do the work of fingers and it just doesn't work. Oh, things get accomplished, but not nearly as well as they would get accomplished if the fingers were doing finger things and the thumb were doing thumb things. I know, hearing this in abstract seems rather senseless, doesn't it? But I hope you all get the gist of what I'm saying. It's sort of akin of being a jack of all trades and a master of none. Well, God has made you a master of at least one, okay? He has. And as I said last week, if you don't know what that is, what that gift is, you need to A, figure it out, and B, use it. Because that, that, that's his plan, and that's how he's made the church. But whenever we fail to do that, then not only do we flounder spiritually, but the church flounders spiritually as well. So it is the picture of a healthy church when all of God's gifts are being used together in one way and in one fashion to the glory of God, and that's what makes a healthy church. But this morning we're shifting gears ever so slightly. Paul had exhorted us last week to use our gifts, and we talked about what those gifts were. And it was more focused on the doing, right? The doing what God has created us to do. But this morning, the gear is shifting and it becomes more of internal and what is on the inside. And I always found that it is the doing that's the easy part. It's the internal that's the more difficult struggle. And I think that's, that's true as we're going to see it here this morning as well. So as we look at this passage, hopefully it will become clearer. Verse 9, we're not going to get past verse 9 this morning. Actually, we're not going to get through this verse. We've got four words. Let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Now you think, well, that's sort of out of place from where Paul just came from in verse 8, where he's speaking of of spiritual gifts, and he's telling us to use our spiritual gifts. Let love be genuine. It's hard if we stop and think about it. It's It's a hard thing because it requires something internally to be done. It's actually harder than going and doing something. Doing something is easy. It's the internal that is difficult. To let love be genuine, it requires some things of us. It requires that we look in that mirror that hopefully we have a difficult time looking into, not because of what we see on the outside, but because of that man that lies underneath, that rears his ugly head way more often than what I would like. But it requires us to give an honest evaluation of our hearts and where our hearts are and what our hearts 
look like. Now, when you read your Bible, it's easy to read verse 9 and to go over at 50,000 feet and say, oh, that's lovely. Let's move on to verse 10 and verse 11. But you get nothing out of that when that happens. These verses need to be wrestled with in order for them to sink in, in order for the Holy Spirit to truly reveal to us what God has in store whenever Paul wrote, let love be genuine. If we read it and we bounce through it, we're not getting from it what God wants us to get from it or to glean from it. We should take the time to meditate it on it, to, to pray about it, to try to see in a new light what it is those four words can mean to us as children of God. Try to figure out what it is we're at, Paul's asking us to do and how to go about doing it. And therein lies the difficult issues that we face. How can our lives conform to this admonition to let love be genuine? What does that even mean, to let love be genuine? Well, I would propose to you that it's the opposite of hypocrisy. Genuine love is the opposite of hypocritical love or fake love. Hopefully you can see it a little easier. You have a genuine love, a genuine desire, a heartfelt love, and you have a fake one. And that's the fight that it is within verse 9. Paul says, we want your love to be real and genuine. We don't want it to be fake. Now you say, why is he bringing it up now? Why is he choosing this moment and bringing up this idea for us to let our love be genuine. I think it's an extension of the exhortations he gave us in verse 3. Y'all remember verse 3? Last week we went see verse 3 several times. When we are to examine ourselves to make sure there's nothing in us that is what? Prideful. Prideful. He's still in this whole idea or concept of pride he started off and he talks about it in verse 3 we're to look inward and to check ourselves for any amount of pride and then he tells us to exercise our gifts and now he's come full circle right back let your love be genuine let it be genuine the hypocrisy of love is when One looks good on the outside, but it's all fake underneath. That it's all fake underneath. So he wants to make sure that we're using those gifts. Don't use them because I made you feel bad. Right? Don't do it. Because if you felt last week, that I stepped on your toes and made you feel bad that you A, didn't find your gift or didn't know you had one or B, wasn't using it. I don't want you to use it to make me happy. And that's what Paul's saying. I want you to use it because it's coming from love. 
It comes from the inside out. And that's why he's circled back around and he's checking our pride all over again. Don't use your gifts. Don't exercise your gifts just out of a desire to make people think you love Jesus or to make people think you're doing what you're supposed to be doing because that is hypocrisy. 1 Corinthians 13, 3. What chapter is this? The love chapter. And if you would think about it, what was 12 all about? Chapter 12. Anybody remember what 1 Corinthians 12, the whole chapter, is all about? Gifts. Spiritual gifts. And so we have the same concept on a macro scale, and we have it on a micro scale here in, in, in Romans 12. You have the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 12 all about spiritual gifts, and then he follows that up and say, chapter 12 is worthless if not for 13. And that's what he's telling us here too in Romans. All those verses about exercising your spiritual gifts, worthless, don't do it unless your love is genuine. If I give away all that I have, if I sacrifice everything, and I even deliver my body up to be burned as a martyr, but have not love, I gain nothing. It is useless in the eyes of God if we have not love. Love is the most important thing. Of everything that we are supposed to do, of everything that we are commanded to do, if there is no love in it, it is absolutely worthless in the eyes of God. Don't even waste your time. Matthew 15, 7 and 8. The words of Christ, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So Paul's transition from exercising gifts to examining our heart is a logical transgression, and I hope that you can see that. Doing these things is meaningless unless they come from the inside out. And we see that love is the most important, and Jesus points that out here as well. He pointed out a way of hypocrisy, or a mode of hypocrisy. One mode of hypocrisy is when we hide our sinfulness by putting up a a moral or external facade. It's being fake, right? We hide our own sinfulness by making ourselves look like something we're not. Kind of a self-righteous type attitude, right? And you see self-righteous folks. And you know what's going on. We we don't do a very good job at hiding it, right? We like to think that we can, but, but we don't. It's pretty easy to see through when that is happening. But those people, or we do it from time to time, we do these things to make other, th- other people think that we're holy. We're just doing it for others. We're not doing anything for ourselves. 
We're doing it so other people can admire us for how wonderful we are. And that's the whole Sunday school class was about pride this morning. We desire for other people to think we love God and love others, but underneath, who do we love the most? That's right. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? This guy, right? That's what it's all about. That's the reality. And that's where pride comes in. We can't love and honor God because we're too busy loving and honoring ourselves. There is no genuineness to our love. Another type of hypocrisy or mode is when we are quick to point out others' flaws and attempt to make ours look a whole lot better or a whole lot less. Anyone ever do that? Anyone ever do that? Can you imagine what they're doing, whoever they are, right? I'm not that bad. And as long as they're doing it, then I've, I've got hope, right? I think we all do that from time to time. I think it's the number one issue or problem in marriages. We get so focused on what she's doing or what he's doing, and that's all we can see and all we can think about and, and how it's hurting me. I'm not worried about that perfect person that I see in that mirror. But if each partner could spend all their time focused on what I'm doing wrong, not on what she's doing wrong, you wouldn't have the problems that we have in marriages. That's just the reality. It's all because of pride. You know, they're hurting my feelings and they are wrong in doing so. Because we're the center of our own universe. We should be working our own flaws instead of seeing and pointing out the flaws of those that we love, or supposed to love, I should say. We say, let me get that speck out of your eye while I've got the log hanging out of my own. That's not love. That's not love. That is 100% hypocrisy. That is 100% pride. Yet Paul tells us, let our love be genuine. Let our love be real. Let our love be true. There are two goals or aims of hypocrisy. The first is for the praise of others, right? The praise of others. Matthew 6, 2, the words of Christ. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet, trumpet before you go, before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. When you give, don't let anyone know about it. Because when you do that, you are seeking the glory for yourself. And Christ tells us, you've got it. It's useless in the eyes of God. No matter how big that check may be, 
If you ask that something be named after you, then that's going to glorify you, not glorifying God. Whatever the situation is. If that's what you want to do, do it, but know that you get no glory out of it. And it's only because of prideful arrogance that you're seeking that. On down to verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. These folks were acting a little more spiritual than what they were. Their love of God was not genuine. They wanted to be seen as someone who really loved God. Thus they got the reward. So they would give, and it would be the equivalent of giving $100 in pennies in a very loud dish so that everybody could hear all the coins that were going into that collection plate. And they would pray so beautifully for such a long time. But they didn't do it because their love was genuine. They did it so everybody could see them and hear them and in their minds think about how holy and righteous and how much love for God they truly had. But they didn't. Their love was not genuine. It was hypocritical. There is another more subtle aim at hypocrisy and it's a little harder to see. Luke 13, 14, and 15. But the ruler of the synagogue, indigent, indignant, having problems, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and said to the people, there are six days in which work ought, ought to be done. Come on those days, be healed, and not on the Sabbath. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, do not each of you on the Sabbath untie his donkey or his donkey from the manger, and lead it to water. So, Jesus had just healed a woman who had been sick for 18 days, 18 years. And the ruler of the synagogue was upset because he chose to do it on the Sabbath. And so he was using it as a crutch. These people all had an underlying problem that they refused to acknowledge. They had oxen, oxen they had cattle they had all types of different animals that brought them income and they were telling others don't do anything on the sabbath but oh by the way i'm going to do whatever i want because if i don't do whatever i want by feeding and watering my animals they're going to die and i'm going to lose money what was more important to that person money or serving god it's clearly it was money thus the hypocrisy came in the hypocrisy came in and Jesus so beautifully pointed that out they cared more about the love of money than they did this woman and Jesus wanted to make sure they knew that hypocrisy is everywhere in today's environment in today's world hypocrisy's all over the church because it comes from pride And as I've said so many times, I love this nation and I think it's the most wonderful nation in the world. But folks, we are full of pride. 
brimming over full of pride. Nobody's going to tell me what to do, right? No, I don't care who it is. Ain't going to happen. And so the freedoms that we've been given by God, we have so taken them and, and just took them for granted to the point that that becomes who we are. And that's what we deserve. We can't see life outside of that. And it, the freedoms that we've been given is truly a blessing from God. But they should be humbling to know that the freedom we have, so many people died for that freedom. But yet the pride within us just sort of erupts and overflows like a volcano. And havoc gets wreaked in the process. We have liberals and conservatives and everything in between. And the liberals condemn the conservatives unless they're the one that's doing it. And the conservatives condemn the liberals unless they're the one that's doing it. And hypocrisy is everywhere. There's no genuineness in anything. It's all about what's in it for me. The church should not be a place for that. That's what Paul tells us. Let our love be genuine. Let our love be real. Do things out of a love of Christ and for all He is and for what He's going to be and to the, the eternal life that we will be spending with Him. Not for what's in it for me or what best suits my needs at any given time. Let our love be genuine in every way. Let it be real. Don't let it be superficial. Don't do things just so others can see it. As I said earlier, don't exercise your gift just because you want everybody to see you exercising it or because I made you feel bad. Understand the love that the Holy Spirit creates in our hearts, creates a desire to serve and a desire to exercise our gifts. That's why our gifts should be exercised. But the first thing we have to do is look in that mirror. Look in that mirror and don't see the imaginary beauty. See all the flaws that is underneath. See the the many, many times we do things for impure motives. Know and understand that. Don't think that what we do is pure. Because I've said it many times before. There's nothing that we're going to do in this life that is not in some way darkened, made ugly by impure motives see that know that and go to one person god go to god with that god i want my heart to be pure god the last thing i want on this earth is to be a hypocrite because we all despise that right is anybody in here like hypocrites no It's probably the least favorable character trait of anybody in the world, and it's because it stems from pride. Nobody likes being a hypocrite, but we all have to confess and acknowledge that it's in here somewhere. And that's the first step of letting God take care of it and deal with it. And when we see the impurities within our own hearts, then God and His Spirit can deal with that and slowly we start thinking more about jesus god 
his children than we do about our own selves. And that's the process. That's, that's when we love with purity. And it's not fake. And it's not hypocrisy. So I encourage us all, no matter what we do, no matter what our gift is, make sure that we love out of a pure heart, out of a pure conscience. Don't use it because there is an obligation to do so. Let your love be genuine. Amen? Let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, we we thank you, Father, for the gifts that you've given us. The fulfillment that exercising your gift brings with it. And Lord, you are to be glorified for that. But Lord, more than anything, let us let our love be genuine as Paul exhorts us and commands of us. Let us not do anything out of a desire to glorify ourselves or a desire for our own benefit, but let us do everything, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, let us do it for your glory because of the genuine love that resides within our hearts. And Father, we know we all have room to improve in this area. And we pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would be quick to point out the hypocrisy that resides within us. Help us to see it, and we pray for your Holy Spirit to give us the means and ability to deal with it, that we do things from pure hearts, and we let our love that you give us be genuine. For it is in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. All rise.